everybody in Africa. Good evening from Hawaii. Uh, my name is Jürgen Steinmetz with Rebuilding.Travel. Uh, we're based in beautiful Honolulu. And uh, tonight uh, we have uh, people joining us really from all over the world. And uh, we have a very interesting session tonight. Uh, we're talking actually about Zanzibar, what is part of uh, Tanzania. And uh, uh, Zanzibar and uh, Tanzania opened up for tourism. I don't know how they did it, um, how it worked, what type of tourists they get these days, and what their plans are, but we have the expert, uh, Mr. Peter Bayan. He is the, I believe, the general manager of Mafia Island. Nothing to do with the Mafia. I know we did a send out and we called him the Mafia boss. He's not a Mafia boss. He's, <laughs> he's a, a general manager of a hotel in, uh, in Zanzibar and uh, an expert uh, for the travel and tourism industry in that part um, of Africa. I'd like to uh, recognize, um, first of all, my, my good friend and partner, Mr. Cuthbert Nikubin. He will also say a few words. He's the chair of the African Tourism Board, and he's joining us uh, from Johannesburg. Um, good morning. Uh, uh, oh, someone is sharing something. So let's, let's stop the sharing right now. Okay, I don't know how this, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I left the sharing. It looks like a Shane Berry. Not be possible to share. Okay, there we go. Okay, good morning, uh, Cuthbert. How are you this morning? You have to unmute yourself. Ken, how are you? And, uh, Cuthbert, we cannot hear you. Can, can you hear me now? I'm unmuted. Uh, yeah. Hello? Cuthbert, you're muted. Yes. Morning, oh, now, morning, now yes. you go. It was me. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, Yekin, and good morning to your viewers. And uh, good evening and good afternoon to some of us, uh, colleagues. Thank you so much. Uh, once again, it is with pleasure and great humility that I join you, Jürgen, and the panel of your guests in your endeavors in creating mechanisms on how best we can navigate in our battle to overcome the scourge and ravaging spread and devastating impact of the pandemic. We learned with great intent the demonstrative of the Tanzanian's commitment uh, and resolves to address the challenges of the setback in the travel sector head on and implore opportunities to recover the sector. As African Tourism Board, we really advocate the member states to consider on robustly realizing the effects and the importance of setting the sector in motion, starting with the domestic activity uh, that will culminate to regional and intracontinental inclusion. Dear friends, I believe Africa still holds an undeniable potential. Colleagues, the challenges we are facing as a sector should provide encouraging opportunities. Tourism cannot and will not be the same after this crisis. It is therefore 
time for a well-coordinated regional and the national efforts to build a better and more approach in the tourism sector. The fact is that the setbacks through the pandemic are with us. We need to accept the reality. Therefore, we cannot close ourselves forever. We need to strictly appreciate the preventative protocols as safety might be a far-fetched reality. And this will assist us in avoidance of a catastrophic consequences in our lovely continent. I look forward for this meaningful discussion. Thank you so much here again. Thank you very much, Cuthbert. And uh, just a little bit, uh, uh, some rules for housekeeping. We're trying to keep everyone muted unless you speak. So this way we avoid having a lot of background noise uh, from you, but we're, this is an interactive session. So. Um, once uh, we introduce our guests and uh, they have an opportunity to speak and get their case across, uh, it's your turn. Uh, you can just simply raise your hand and um, um, we'll see this here and give you the microphone. So it's a really interactive, uh, should really be an interactive discussion. Before we get to Peter, who's our main person, I want to recognize more Elkilesley, and I cannot put your, your last name, it's very, very complicated. Uh, but uh, Moore is, <laughs> is located right where I am. He's on the other side of the island here in Hawaii. And um, I brought him in because he and his company developed uh, something I think what is worth taking a look at, what could work anywhere in the world, what is inexpensive, and uh, can add a lot of the assurance we need uh, to travel comfortable or generate uh, travel, in, regenerate a travel industry comfortable uh, in these times. Um, before we get to Peter, uh, one more introduction here, and I know there are many on this forum. I see uh, there are known names and known faces, and thank you for joining. Uh, but I wanted to give my good friend Walter Memzebi the word. Walter is uh, joining us from Johannesburg, I believe. And uh, many of you know Walter. He was the former Minister of Tourism uh, for Zimbabwe and also uh, for a short period the Foreign Minister of Zimbabwe. And he now works with the African Tourism Board and also with Cuthbert and is in charge of their safety and uh, security arm and committee and a member of Project Hope. Um, Project Hope was put in place by the African Tourism Board to help Africa overcome the challenges uh, at the corona crisis. Welcome, uh, Walter, and thank you for being part of, of our Zoom today. Thank you. Uh, good morning, uh, Africa. Good morning, Zanzibar, Tanzania. I'm here uh, today simply to listen in, uh, in my capacity as chairperson for the ATB Safety and Security Crisis and Disaster Management Committee. Um, interestingly, we are hosting ministerial roundtables under the chairmanship of my committee and uh, the first product court that we dealt with in that capacity is uh, send and see and uh, that makes my uh, listening in participation this morning very interesting because we have hosted about 14 countries that have beaches and coastlines the blue uh, economy uh, countries of africa to see how we can assist in their revival so I'm simply here to listen in, and then we go back to the strategy room, fine tune, and we'll get back to you on how best we can assist going forward. Thank you. Yeah, and I think this uh, the sand and sea 
um, also applies for where Peter is. And Peter is uh, the gentleman who approached me and said, why don't we do a session on um, Zanzibar? Because Zanzibar being a part of Tanzania is in a very special position in Africa from what I understand. Uh, it actually opened up to tourism with not a lot of restrictions and Peter can fill us in what these restrictions are. And I think this is a real challenge, whether this is a good move or bad move, I think uh, that uh, depends to be seen, but it's a brave move, if, if anything. Uh, I looked at a little bit at the numbers before um, opening the session here, and Tanzania really has a special, uh, special position. It's only registered 0.4 death per million in the country, what is literally nothing. If you compare this with uh, 465 on an average here in the United States and with 1,320 some in New York, it's really a low number. Um, if you uh, look at the number of infections in Tanzania, it's 733 compared to the United States of 13,794. So I can definitely see that Tanzania wants to be in a position to open this country, but can you really do this with source markets that are really suffering under Corona. So these are some of the things I think uh, we can probably discuss, but Peter, um, the floor is yours. Thank you so much for being part of it. You have to unmute yourself. Good, good morning, uh, Jürgen, and thank you so much. Uh, you can hear me okay? Just put your finger up if you, all okay? We can hear you great. All right. Uh, good morning to all partners. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to be reading quite a lot of this because we have a lot to get through and um, I don't want to miss uh, the, 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 the list that I've got covered here. So I'm, I'm going to read a lot, I'm afraid. Um, we're all working together to find ways of responding to the pandemic. The more I have found, especially in this group, the more confidence I have developed that there are many ways we can think and work to reestablish the better elements of our industry and find a new normal of our own, which is, of course, a tourism that does everything possible to protect the environment we depend on. So managing tourism will be one of the pillars of the industry going forward, and that starts with each hotel and service provider, each airline and cruise ship and destination management organization. Close government and private sector joint DMO activity has now proven to be essential. I think this pandemic has really shown the importance of having effective DMO that involve both government and private sector. And I don't mean marketing boards. They're two different organizations. The DMO brings together all the aspects of service, infrastructure, government uh, regulations. So for example, here we have the health people, our, our crucial partners in making sure that we have uh, tourism protocols working effectively. National tourism boards and agencies are not DMOs and the pandemic has highlighted the crucial role these play when you need them, bringing everything together into a central coordinating hub. These DMO will also need to be the drivers of the climate friendly tourism movement we had to change. I think we all agree on that. This mad rush to overdevelopment in the industry uh, with little concern for the environment. And we have to change much more again. On this uh, uh, platform of yours, Jürgen, we've discussed this. And I 
think it would be great to have another webinar soon with the title Overdoing It in the Tourism Industry. It would be an interesting topic because all governments and even the UNWTO focuses on metrics of numbers and revenues, not on quality and environment, for which we are yet to set standards and criteria. What will happen to giant hotels, resorts and cruise ships in the 2020s? What of excessive luxury and costly fantasy designs? How does it relate to simplicity and nature, which are the new catchwords? Is small is beautiful back in front and center? What of low volume, high value? What does it really mean? I think that would be a great webinar and topic. So let's move to the new normal. We hear this a lot. Is there a new normal that tourism must adopt? Probably yes, the, the outstanding analogy is airport security procedures. We used to travel without constraint, and now we have very troublesome, time-consuming and intrusive, intrusive procedures to follow due to terrorism attacks on aircraft and hijackings and various other possible breaches, like illegal immigration. Will we have to adopt all the semi-extreme procedures of mask wearing, hand washing, fogging, sanitizing rooms, for the virus, removing buffets, etc., which are one, costly, two, difficult to maintain to a complete degree, and three, tiresome to sustain and a drain on management, and four, seemingly unnecessary in our environment where there is no COVID, or must we worry about the visitors because the SOP do not require tourists to prove they are COVID free? Well, that changed just recently. Um, which is a great move, and I'll get to that just shortly. For now, yes, we will have to follow all of this, but for how long, we can only conjecture. I think there is no doubt there will, there will be these kind of SOP in place for some time, because governments are very conservative when it comes to giving up controls and rules, and will keep these requirements in place and impose them on us as tourism destinations using travel advisories from our source markets. This is underscored by the new outbreaks in many countries, which have made the situation for tourism look even bleaker than two to three weeks ago. Tanzania and Zanzibar are directly impacted by this, and, and the wind blowing against us is stronger than ever. I quote from a Bloomberg Press article of the 26th of July that was very gloomy, uh, and I, I would suggest people read it because the, the outstanding takeaway from that is that a lingering epidemic combined with deep job losses, a prolonged recession and an unprecedented debt burden will, will inevitably create tensions that turn into a political backlash, but against whom is yet unclear. So it's a negative environment that we're working in and it's got, I think, quite a bit more negative in the last few weeks. And I felt a fading of the energy in our industry in responding to the crisis. And I hope that this webinar, we will be able to inject some new fuel to fan the fires of resistance to giving in. In Tanzania and Zanzibar, the energy and determination is still high, but we are the unhappy victims of policies in place, some incoherent and all uncoordinated in our source markets. That, with the rise and, and re-rise of COVID-19 in our source countries is the elephant in our room, and we have to see what we can do about it. 
So the motto that we've adopted in our part of the world, I think, is that be available, be there, don't stand still, take the battle to the enemy and deal with each obstacle as it arises, as if you cannot, if you cannot anticipate it, because the rules and regulations in our source countries are changing every day. Be proactive and involved in everything going on to help the destination and come up with ideas, options and solutions. Don't just expect it to happen and filter the noise and look for the positive takeaways. I've obtained many of them from webinars like yours, Jürgen, and articles uh, in the press and from feedback to our blogs and social media. There is always something we can do. Tanzania and Zanzibar were among the first destinations to have comprehensive and workable SOP in place. They were something that were uh, coordinated with the private sector. We were given a chance and we had a great input into creating these SOP. So we were clear from the outset, the private sector and the public sector were clear on their roles, the airports, uh, the tour operators for our uh, safaris and the hotels. We were all clear and we were all on board. This was an, a fundamental, uh, effective takeaway from our tourism organizations in Zanzibar and uh, Dar es Salaam and our two ministers. The government of Tanzania has last week enacted new legislation to make this it mandatory to have a COVID test before you arrive. It was something that I was an advocate for very early on, but we, it was left out of the initial SOP because it was thought to be uh, too much of a negative uh, requirement for, for guests. But I, I think you've all seen the press this morning where even the uh, World Tourism and Travel Council is, is uh, now calling on this to become an international standard. And the UK has found this to be essential with its new problems uh, in relation to travel in the European Union. The national medical authorities here have established first response referral clinics and hospitals at regional and districts levels. This is a very visible and important move for a country in Africa, which is often referred to as having poor medical services and preparedness. We have that negative image to deal with. So this move by the government has clarified that for many tour operators and uh, embassies who are responsible for reporting back to their, their governments back home. We must prove the naysayers wrong and more importantly, be able to take care of both our citizens and visitors. Travel agents ask for this information as a matter of course, so it's vital you have that kind of thing at your fingertips. In order to help uh, remove the obstacles of risk to visiting uh, on, in visiting Tanzania, the government is now the first I am aware of offering a COVID test for departing visitors with a 72-hour turnaround and digital uh, production of the uh, medical uh, form the test result. This is remarkable and should enable our partners in tourism, such as the EU, to review their quarantine requirements and is another example of how the destination must remove each obstacle placed in our way as we move towards normality in tourism and other economic activity. 
This is the normality we have to create. It's not going to happen on its own. On the ground, we have put in place what we call a green channel. Now, just to give you a little bit of geography, uh, Mafia Island is south of Dar es Salaam and 150 kilometers south of Zanzibar. We're just off the coast, as is Zanzibar, which is north of Dar es Salaam. So we're kind of clustered together and we're all partners uh, because we, we are linked to one another. Us more to Zanzibar than the other way around. Zanzibar last year had about 600,000, close to 600,000 visitors. So it's a, it's, a, it's a major destination. We are just a, a, a small uh, destination getting one hundredth of that or one thousandth of it. This green channel is, it gives visitors confidence and reassures them that we know what we are doing and we are prepared and taking care of them. So we meet them at uh, the international terminal. We have a special uh, minibus that transfers them to the domestic airport. And all of this is coordinated with the airport uh, regulations and passenger handling at both international and domestic terminals. We send an email on this to every person inquiring about a holiday and we have blogged it and sent our policies and plans to all of the agents on our lists. And we are very grateful that Tanzania has not used messages nor sought certification of safe travel. Jürgen, you'll remember we had a good debate on this. Um, we didn't uh, come to firm conclusions, but we, we thought of uh, creating a, a different kind of message, which was that with SOP in place, low COVID uh, circulation in the, in the population, a very low death rate uh, or even uh, infection rate like we have had uh, and with very good coordination between private and public sectors, you could call yourself a preferred destination. We agreed that realism is more important than anything else, including economics. One advantage Tanzania has is that we have a very young population and the extensive network of self-sufficiency and food production being less industrialized, service-oriented, and complicated country, I think is now an advantage in terms of our, our light impact uh, from COVID. The USA has placed Tanzania on the can travel list for its citizens, and we hope the EU will too soon, will soon do follow. But it is the quarantine on return that limit interest in overseas travel for now. There is also the worry of visitors that they may get stranded here because of the on-again, off-again actions of the airlines in rescheduling flights to Tanzania, as well, as well as volatile pricing schemes. And I think most destinations are experiencing that. So it'll be interesting to hear from some of our other partners uh, that are listening in. Proactive and closer cooperation between public institutions and the private sector has been excellent here in dealing with the preparedness. But limitations in taming the elephant in the room are obvious because we have not got really good DMO structures in place. Uh, so the, the PPP efforts that we've had, private-public participation, have depended on key individuals. So this is the big lesson for us, is that we must have 
much more effective DMOs in place. In facing this crisis, we have to keep it real by understanding the worldview, not just our domestic situation. Monitor it evolving through data analysis from UNWTO, questionnaires being done in, in uh, source countries, two months, two, every two weeks in North America and some parts of Europe, government messages on travel restrictions, new spikes in virus outbreaks and what they mean, and so on. We have to try and look at the problems from the angle of the source markets. One of the most important outcomes of this situation is the much closer working partnerships that have developed, especially in Zanzibar. In, in Zanzibar, the minister and key tourism influences in the health infrastructure and charter flight sectors have worked to reassure the foreign embassies on the EU in the EU to remove travel obstacles for the island. And this is bearing real fruit. Caution is important, but so is reality, that our destination has been blessed with a very light touch from COVID-19 and that good SOP are in place. Efforts by their counterparts on the mainland, Tanzania, together with the Tanzania Tourist Board and the Marketing Department and, and uh, uh, Health Department of Health, and major tour operators from source countries like Germany are also ongoing and bearing fruit. But for destinations like Tanzania, more distant and less connected politically to source markets, there is an even more subversive challenge, and that is what I've now called eco-politics in, in Europe. This is a wake-up call to national tourism boards when deciding where to focus future marketing and uh, contact efforts. Concentrate on the friendlies and those countries that made an effort to partner with your destination cooperatively during the pandemic. At the moment, we probably only have 350 people in all of Zanzibar and probably fewer on safari in our parks. And that is during the peak of the migration, usually when the, when the northern parks are absolutely full. So what do we do? I would now like to shift the focus from the national level to the local level to share some of the strategies we have developed and embedded in our discussions with our audience, aka marketing. So I prefer to think now that we, we are discussing with our potential markets, not, not actually doing marketing because we are not able to attract people in large numbers at the moment. So it's a discussion with our markets. First of all, we have the, the product profile that is ideally fitted to the new normal. With the open designs of our hotels and lodges and camps, the beach and safari attractions are outdoors, involve fresh, local, unprocessed food, lots of sunlight, fresh air, and travel arrangements avoid busy places and so on. This may be Africa's time as a preferred destination. So our old-fashioned ways and original style of doing things in this continent could have found their place again. We need to work on this concept with our future marketing as a back-to-the-past kind of concept. That would certainly resonate, I believe. We now identify possible preferred partners in travel and the new pioneers, those willing to travel and those origin markets that do not have, a, have severe lockdown rules or segments of the market who are least affected by lockdowns when they go home. In, in this case, 
in our case, it boils down to very few opportunities, but still they are there. And we are surprised by the ongoing interest in the variety of countries from which our guests are coming, even though it is a mere trickle. Right now, I think tourism boils down to two main groups, the flexis, the risk takers, who are also likely to be people who book late, make decisions on the fly, and who are smart and informed. So they understand the metrics and risk and can take advantage of good offers in place. They want to go, not just any bargain. I don't think age is an important criterion, but they will probably be 25 to 40. They, are also, they all, will also have air miles and work bonuses and is the group that includes solo travelers, uh, many of whom are females. This group will likely be those able to work from home so a quarantine on return is not a problem. Also, there is a rising trend, which met, some of you may have known, noticed, which is working from your holiday destination, something I called um, lockdown refugees later on in this paper. The planners are the second group, and they deliberate, will choose carefully and make plans ahead of time, not necessarily because they are risk averse, but because they have children in school, jobs, that dictate holidays and, and families and wives who also work and possibly friends who may want to go to, to coordinate. These are the multi-family and multi-generational group. And I think after COVID, they will be a very important segment of the market for all of us. So be prepared for them. I think millennials are the group that has taken the biggest knock for a lot of reasons. They are the least likely to travel for a while, mainly because of the way they like to travel, studies, job seeking. Uh, a lot of them are out of work and it seems they are the most unsettled by the risks of travel at this time. There is of course the overriding issue of disposable incomes and hanging on to jobs that will make people think twice. But I expect in lockdown, people have learned to save money. They haven't had to travel to work and they le have learned how much they can save by not going to restaurants and bars. So I don't think money will be a problem. So let's move to messaging. How do we message? Be positive. There's no alternative. We have to be positive. Actively compare your destination with your competitors, both locally and further away, so that potential guests can make their choice of travel more easily. Don't forget, there's a lot of confusion out there in the market. What, what messages people are getting. So you have to help them clarify exactly what is in place in your destination. Is it business as usual? Uh, is everything available? Is your dive center working? Is the beach bar able to function? All these kind of things. Make sure you tick all the boxes. You're available. Everything is functioning as normal. The weather is great. Innovate, don't imitate because your place, your destination, your hotel is unique. So go outside, turn around, face it and look at it and ask yourself the question, what do we offer and how can we do it better? But compete only with yourself to improve and have the highest level of micro hospitality, not the longest buffet or the biggest choice of whiskeys. Avoid negative messaging, no matter how subtle it is, do avoid these messages. We've, see, we've all seen the, 
the messages like deep cleaning and the extraordinary videos produced by some of the groups like Accor on, on what a check-in is going to be like. It's like boarding, boarding a, a spaceship to Mars. So I'm not so sure this is really good uh, messaging. We believe it is better to present simple, reassuring messages that will go down much better with the markets we are targeting as they are inundated with the negatives 24 hours a day. I think it is a mistake to create any strategy, especially by national tourism boards or DMO bodies that implies one, you are in trouble and need visitors to come ASAP or two, normally you're making such a, a large margin, you can halve your price and still survive. So definitely don't send out those types of campaigns. We've all seen that we are waiting for you. When you can travel again, we are here, et cetera, et cetera. Avoid all of that. Everybody knows we need tourism. Strategies. I'm going to run through these quite quickly, but I'm happy, Jürgen, to be able to uh, send out to anybody who would like uh, what we've written here uh, as a either a, a PDF or you can request it from me, Peter, at mafiaisland.com, and I will also send it to you, Jürgen. Yeah, we can I'll put it on our website for everyone to look at if you agree, and then of Fantastic. course we can publish it as well. Fantastic. We're here because we all want to share, and I'm happy to do it. Thank there you. are plenty more, plenty more ideas I'm sure that others can come up with. So let me rattle through this so we can get to some talking. Now, these 20 that I've listed here include uh, things within them. So it's a bit more than 20, but the, they include actions for you as an individual hotelier, for the destination and for a DMO. First of all, let's not get too teary eyed about this. 2020 is not a lost year. Tourism needed to change. The endless buffets and 30% food wastage needs to stop. The excess and outrageous developments need to be reassessed in environmental terms. Over-tourism needed to be addressed. We needed to stop and reevaluate our business models and image and improve the destination's management and offering. We have become, we have become strong and activist in promoting slow tourism. That's the first takeaway for our destination, Mafia Island, because we want people to stay longer, get more involved. We all want that. Do you want them to come to Hawaii and, and leave again without experiencing your different kind of culture and food and have an interaction with the local people? Slow down. It's not just an Instagram world. And you will have much more enjoyment and a true experience. We hear this all the time, experiential travel, but people seem to do it less and less. If we are to have real change in the tourism industry that is sustainable locally and climate friendly, we have to change the way we build and operate our hospitality. Number two, as I said earlier, be available. If you're not open for business, you will lose customers. This is so important. This is so important for staff morale and engagement and maintaining skills. We consider our position to be one of loyalty and reliability to the market. It would be cheaper for us to close completely, but for us, I'm sorry, 
We lost you. Uh, Peter, you have Peter. a Peter. Yeah, please uh, un uh, unmute yourself, uh, uh, Peter, by mistake. I muted you. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I cut you off in the last sentence because I saw Jessica and I saw some background note with the microphone. So I was trying to cut you off now knowing that you're Jessica. So please go ahead. No, I, I'll tell you where this is coming from. Uh, I'm getting ETN news as pop-ups all the time. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's me again. Okay. Yeah. All right. So be available, loyalty, loyalty and re reliability to the market. Don't disappear. If you disappear, you're gone. Number three, keep to old standards and not the new normal. Your old standards should have been high. So why change? If you're, if you're suddenly doing deep cleaning what were you doing before somebody will kind of think well maybe their cleaning wasn't so good before get personal with an identity a persona a soul a soul for your destination under your old standards this ties in with the message business as usual my first blog and social media post in late march contained the message that we are working in mafia island as my my hotel pinasi lodge as if nothing has changed but we, of course, had to put in place all the necessary SOP. We did not message about deep cleaning or wearing face masks or any non-normal action. We posted the message that we are aware, prepared, and care. This has been fully enabled and reinforced now by our no COVID status, but not at that time when we elaborated this message. We do not force our guests to be temperature checked yet again, because they'll have already done that four times before they reach us. We make the normal safety hand washes, sanitizers, gloves and masks available, but we do not require their use and we don't get it in their face, as it were. Target the mug, number five. Target the market of can travel and most likely to travel. Don't spray your messages all over the internet. We know people wish to travel from all the surveys, so do not add to their angst by showing them where they can't go. Target specific segments like the risk takers and solo travel as they are in the most likely group. We appeal to their sense of adventure by calling them our new travel pioneers. This includes a new offering we are putting together to the market as lockdown refugees who are looking for a longer term stay in a safer, beautiful location that ticks all the counter COVID boxes. Visitors can stay three months in Tanzania anyway on their tourist visa, and they can extend this further on request for another three months. So we've, we're really in a very good position to do that. And it's a thought for any other countries who have uh, a short stay only for tourism. Number six, monitor, analyze and interpret everything you can find on the internet and in the mark in your source markets so that you understand the factors affecting decisions changes in mood and conditions imposed by the governments there is a lot of information out there but it is taking me up to 12 hours a day online sometimes to filter it all and make sense of it but that's the challenge we all face and make it easy for your potential customers no risk bookings with no deposits and no cancellation fees we introduced very early on 
We do not ask that our guests inform us of why they are cancelling. Uh, sorry, we do ask only that our guests inform us why they are cancelling. Most of them have postponed, thankfully, so that we can learn if it was a travel problem or obstacle that in their destination that we need to know about. So we just ask them, why are you cancelling or why are you postponing so that we can learn a bit more. We also have in place a before you travel talk to us where we try to get hold of people on WhatsApp or live chat and make sure they understand everything that's about the destination and the travel conditions, the situation in our destination and any concerns they have. And it, we uh, describe our green corridor on arrival. Number nine, help, help find your the cheapest travel options for our clients to get to our country and the reliability. So for example, we know much more about Ethiopian, uh, Fly Dubai, KLM and the other airlines that are coming here because we talk to them all the time. So be proactive in helping and guiding your potential visitors because of all the confusion and lack of reliable information in their countries. We are also working with domestic airline ground staff hand in hand to show the concern and readiness to help when our guests do arrive. We need every incoming guest, we meet every incoming guest on arrival personally and treat them as if they're VIPs to give reassurance and leave nothing to chance. All of us can raise our standards. There's not a thing we can't do to do that. And we've got now the time and we've got underemployed staff. So this is a great opportunity and another reason why 2020 is not a waste. We are striving to improve every one of our hospitality and F&B offerings, wine lists, activities and excursions by adding more touches and experiences. For example, a visit to beautiful forests and beaches on Mafia Island is accompanied by a prearranged visit to a village community with a picnic lunch of local recipes that we prepare to make sure of the hygiene and everything else so that guests get a genuine feel for our place, our community, our F&B. These are catchwords that we use in our promotion. 11, add more to your offers. Example, underemployed staff can butler rooms that previously did not offer this and accompany excursions, which can thereby be more luxurious, flamboyant and fun because there's better service. Other staff dressed flamboyantly in new uniforms can add to meet and greet services at local airports when receiving guests. Make everything personal. And with low occupancies, that is going to be much easier. We give our guests a name tag on arrival and ask them to wear it for two days until all staff on the front line know their names and address them personally. The barman knows their drink preferences and the restaurant knows their favorite table. 12, invest in the team. We have all heard about using this time for upskilling staff and undertaking in-house training activities that may have been overlooked and even forgotten. This includes what to do during this time with COVID-19. We have ongoing training in water sports, excursions and housekeeping, and as always in the kitchen. Paddy, for example, have come out with protocols to be followed in the diving. So our dive team have done the training and are ready down there. We've had, a, had to make a few changes because, of course, a lot of scuba diving and snorkeling equipment goes in the mouth. Number 13, 
don't stop investing in facilities. Our investment program in buildings and services has not ceased and we are upgrading all the time, even now, with all the financial challenges. This, of course, requires some cash in the bank and huge optimism, but we see it as a competitive advantage also for the future. So if it's possible, don't stop. Do not follow the trends. Be careful not to be seen to be jumping on bandwagons. For example, suddenly the new catchword is sustainable tourism, as if it wasn't sustainable before. We use it. Why use it if you had not already subscribed to this philosophy a long time ago? It makes you look like you are an opportunist just doing it for marketing. Do it for real. Potential travelers may, may possibly look for more nature and sustainability, but whether the change in the traveling community is enduring will be interesting to witness. In any case, it is essential the industry does become much more sustainable, even though the rush to adopt this terminology in destination marketing is already passé. Create your own trends and messages, and if you are already green, highlight it in your marketing in a subtle manner. Don't overdo it. 15, monitor real and useful catchphrases such as healthy living, open spaces, nature, salty, fresh air, etc. Match these to the destination and see how many boxes they tick, and then work on social media and blog messages that match the talk. For example, the design and construction of our hotels, separate bungalows, large open plan living and dining areas, separate widely spaced living bungalows. They're all uh, ticking the boxes and, and therefore highlight the, the attraction of the destination. Remember that obesity has become a problem under lockdown and promoting healthy, not more, not bigger, not greater, will be interesting to a part of the market. Keep the romance and humanity and discovery of travel in place. Don't forget, that's what we are all about. We are actors on a stage and we are there to give people these very important feelings. So do not forget it in all your messaging, promotion and treatment of your guests. Don't let it get lost in the inhumanity of SOPs and safety procedures and all the negatives of the internet. It's alienating and distancing. Let's keep it personal and, and uh, like it always was. 17, there is also time now for improved and more comprehensive community outreach and in involving your communities much more. We have rediscovered our mojo in this aspect and we have been, that we have been neglecting. We have repartnered with our old friends in some villages under the UN SDGs and climate-friendly tourism movement, such as that of SunEx in Malta. We have also launched an incentive-based trust fund for this work and a bond for guests to, to subscribe to, to help with properly planned activities at village level. And in that, we're concentrating on the children and the youth. This will benefit both guests and the local community. 18. This also helps to showcase all things local. I'm, I mentioned that before. So reinvent all your activities and come up with new excursions that involve communities much more and ensure guests have a better, more immersive experience in island life. We're doing that in Mafia. Some of this works involves highlighting our maritime history, which is over 2000 years old and archeology span with, for example, the existence of a sunken port city. 19, 
we are even holding a tourism festival. Yes, I think we must be the only ones that I know of that are holding a tourism festival. So in November, our regional commissioner told us, get off your butts and get this going. So we're holding a festival in Mafia. People are invited. We hope that by November, things will be a little bit easier for everybody. Uh, we want people to come to be timekeepers, art judges, all that kind of thing. And it will, of course, all be put up uh, virtually on the internet every day and on YouTube and so on. And one last uh, word of advice, uh, if I may, is that virtual trade fairs and roadshows are multiplying like coronavirus itself. But look before you leave. That's our approach. Who are you targeting? Why? What time horizon, etc. You can spend a lot of money but be blowing in the wind. Maintain your digital presence and stay in touch with agents and partners and be on your social media channels with your good news and normal activities. But don't get desperate with your sales budget. Be careful. One last thing I would, I've proposed to our tourism board is that the immigration cards and entry departure forms that we, we have been traditionally giving to our visitors need to, need to be turned into a short tourist survey tool by adding some questions on key monitoring data. So with that, Jürgen, thank you. And I'd like to turn it back to you. Well, thank you very much. This was very insightful. And I think every, I hope, and I'm sure everyone learned a lot. Uh, it's really, the future seems to be really in, in niche marketing. We have um, what you explained is a wonderful opportunity for Africa. Um, because Africa, many African destinations like Zanzibar are designed just different from New York and London and uh, big city tourism, mass tourism, like you find in places of Spain. So it, it, it opens up a lot of opportunities for niche marketing and, um, and for, for niche destinations like, like Zanzibar. And I think you laid it out um, absolutely perfect and we will definitely help to share this as much as we can and, and hopefully get other people to learn from your initiatives. And um, I, I wanted to, before we open it up for question, I noticed um, uh, that, uh, I don't know if, yeah, that Tyler Briffa actually uh, joined us and I, uh, I, I owe Tyler Briffa and, uh, and that and he can maybe say a few words. Tyler, as you, most of you know, um, I know there's some new faces here, was the former Secretary General for the United Nations World Tourism Organization for two terms. He's based in, um, in uh, Jordan, and uh, he's uh, co-chairing um, many of, of uh, uh, the rebuilding sessions and is a good friend. Welcome, Taleb. Thank you so much, Jorgen. It's lovely to be here. I'm sorry I was a bit late in coming in, but I enjoyed very much the presentation. All 20, 21 points, I may say, are wonderful points. My only comment here is, I would like to see 20 points that concentrate a little bit on local and regional tourism. You think you can help us do that? Because I think what you've written is extremely important, but it's all still geared to international tourism. It's not focusing on your neighboring countries. And I think we should, we should use the same state of mind, same thinking, and trying to make 
this a destination for people around us? I'm a firm believer that a country that's not enjoyed by its people cannot and should not be enjoyed by anybody else. I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I think that we should concentrate a little bit more on domestic and regional. By the regional, I mean domestic as well, inter-African, in other words, tourism. Because the, the walls must be lower between the visitors and the local community, as you correctly said. I was very happy to hear that we're arranging lunches outside of this all-inclusive resorts that are so dominating these areas like Mafia Islands and, and the others. All-inclusive resorts are something that we should be very careful about because they keep all our visitors locked inside our areas and they never get to interact and see real people of the place. Real wealth of any, any destination is the people and interaction with the people. So that was my question. You think you can help us write down 20 or 21 or 22 things like this just on local and regional tourism, inter-African tourism? Thank you so much. It was wonderful listening to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Peter, an opportunity to respond to that. Yes, I, I thank you very much for that, Taleb. And yes, I'm sure we can uh, come up with at least 20 for the local market. Many of these, I think, do apply to that. Now, at home in Tanzania, domestic tourism is, is um, pretty low at the moment. Um, in that in that way, we're a bit different to Kenya, where quite a lot of tourism, is, uh, domestic tourism, tourism is well developed. We do have quite a bit of domestic tourism to Zanzibar, which is a popular destination for things like uh, weddings. Uh, and it, it, we have quite a lot of, I would say, uh, expatriatism, that is expatriates based in, in Tanzania, in the embassies or in companies and institutions. Uh, but the, you are right, the local domestic market is, is not well developed. Uh, this is partly due to spending power, but also partly due to poor uh, engagement by the tourism sector. Uh, so I agree with you, we need to do more on that. We are, I think, pretty actively working to uh, neighbours like Zambia, Uganda and so on. But again, you are absolutely right. We can do much more on that. And I hope uh, with the African Tourism Board, we can move in that direction. Perhaps others have got comments, Jürgen. Yes, uh, thank we you have so much, Lefter, uh, Thank you very much. We have a few people raising their hand. Lefter, it's from uh, London and he's in the hotel business, I know. Welcome, thanks for joining us again, Lefter. Hello, Jürgen. Peter, um, first of all, okay, my name is Lefteris. I'm the CEO of the Travel Book Group of Hotels. Uh, Peter has just joined us as a hotel as well uh, recently, so he's one of our partners. Uh, Peter, well said, first of all, we're really well said. And uh, um, I picked up on two points, and then I will comment on Taleb's comment, which I find really good as well. But first, if I may, um, first of all, uh, Peter, um, I, I like your comment regarding the over safety, the people that are actually overdoing it by uh, putting uh, too much emphasis on 
the cleanliness, the safety, uh, it's more scary uh, to people uh, to come if they feel that, if they will feel like me, I would feel really horrible going into a hotel that I will feel that I'm locked up somewhere and I cannot enjoy my holidays. What kind of holidays is that? Yes, I agree with you. Secondly, something that I was really, really impressed. You, in this world today, we are uh, talking about smart hotels, we are talking about doing everything electronically. It's a fresh of breath air, um, listening to you talking about bringing back the essence of tourism, the um, meeting people, the hospitality that is, that's why it was called hospitality because it's, it's, it's uh, welcoming people, uh, getting them to learn our culture. Smart hotels can go for city, one night, whatever, but not for tourism destinations like Zanzibar or Mafia Island. So I congratulate you on those points. I missed a little bit of your points. I had a delivery. Now, um, on the other hand, I had Taleb talking about, hello Taleb. I heard Taleb talking about um, uh, domestic. Um, maybe Peter, you misunderstood a little bit. I think I got the point from Taleb as well. It's not only domestic, it's also regional. Yes, we know that uh, Kenya is 50% um, of their uh, tourism uh, is domestic. And we knew that. And that's why Kenya uh, will recover much more than Tanzania because of their domestic tourism. But at the same time, we, uh, you know, there are those travel corridors. Well, uh, the problem we have, we are facing all of us today is that um, it's the governments that unfortunately some of them are on lockdown, some of them have the quarantines that cannot go on in the tourism industry. Unfortunately, that doesn't work. And we know that until that is stopped, until the lockdowns and the quarantines stop, we will not return to the normal. Yes, this is the face of the new normal, but we will not return to the normal or to, you know, the, the, maybe you can call it new normal with the, uh, the new concepts of tourism. Uh, therefore, uh, what I would suggest on your, uh, if you're going to do this list about domestic, maybe we should separate it into domestic and regional as well, because domestic is within the country. Yes, there is domestic market, but not as much in some countries as others. And then we should look into the regionals regarding the neighboring countries regarding Africa itself. So uh, that's, uh, those are my comments and I congratulate you. It was an eye opener what you said today. And uh, thank you very much. No, th thank you, thank you so much. And I think Talib uh, wanted to respond. Thank you so much. I encourage, I very much thank my very good friend for the comments that complimented my comments. Just want to give an example on regional tourism and how important it is. Remember Tunisia, for example, in Northern Africa, was a country that suffered so much after the Arab Spring. The only thing that saved Tunisia was Algeria. 2.2 million travelers came from Algeria to Tunisia instead of bringing them from France, from Italy, and from other places. It was a savior for them. And it was a bilateral agreement that was done, so their entry became easy. And that's something that will be always be remembered in the history of Tunisia. Algerians came in 
by thousands of people to these things. So I think Zanzibar can, can benefit a lot from Kenya, can benefit a lot from all of the other Uganda, Rwanda, and many of the surrounding areas. I think that's something we should look at very seriously. Thank you so, so Thank much. You very, Thank you very much, Talib. And uh, without uh, taking the question right now, because we're running a little bit out of time, but Henrik uh, Zaya from India wanted to remind uh, Peter that India is a very potential market uh, for Africa. And we all know that. Um, and I don't think it was on purpose not to mention India. There's a lot of potential markets, but India with a billion people, um, of course, it's a given. Now, let's get to Yayesh Ashar. Um, he raised his hand. Uh, Yayesh, let us know where you're uh, calling from and what your question is, please. Well, thanks, Jürgen. Um, thank you for this lovely platform. And uh, I want to say Peter made a fantastic detailed presentation. He has looked at very minute things that matter. But as you said just now before, uh, uh, allowing me to say something. Uh, just let, let, let everyone know, uh, I know where you are, but for everyone else, yeah, where, who you are and where yeah. you're calling from, please. Okay, sorry, sorry, my mistake. Yeah, I'm Jayesh Asher, Managing Director at Concept Africa. Uh, we are based in India, and we are a totally Africa-centric vertical uh, that promotes tourism uh, into Africa. And we contract directly with all our relevant suppliers. Thank you. So that's my short introduction. Uh, Jürgen and I go back a few years now. But um, what I found something quite amazing about what Peter said was the analysis of the markets was more European-based. And Africa, not only Peter, but the whole of Africa, makes this mistake of ignoring the Asian markets, and in particular, the Indian market. So if I give you an example, that the Far Eastern destinations of Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia are equidistant as what Africa is in flying terms, in flying hours. And India sends roughly about 3 million people to these, uh, to these destinations. So if it's a five and a half to six hour flying time and a similar time to East Africa as well. But I noticed, uh, because I come to Africa so often for my businesses, and I interact with tourism boards, almost 100% of the marketing budget goes towards Europe and North America. But as Peter said, that market is diminishing for various reasons. But don't forget, India has got 65% of its population below the age of 35 years. So it's a very young population with a huge disposable uh, income. Indians travel in about 30 million people travel worldwide every year. So even if you got 5% of that market, you know, there'd be a huge amount of people coming to the continent of Africa. Kenya and South Africa have done successful marketing here in India, and they're getting good results uh, from pure tourism. I'm not talking about corporate travel or visiting friends and family, pure tourist numbers. South Africa has touched almost 200,000, maybe more. Kenya is touching about 70, 75,000. Because these countries have allocated budgets to market in India. Now, India is the fastest growing FIT market in the world. 
Don't forget the Chinese market is more group travel. India is more FIT travel. And, and the destination, uh, or destination Africa is more suitable to FITs. So like Peter said, you have smaller lodges and resorts, eight rooms, 10 rooms, 20 rooms. So you would be more happy to handle couples, families, or, or, or two or three families traveling together. And that is what India will give you. So if you need uh, any more information about India, uh, I'll be more than happy uh, because Africa is home to me as well. And uh, so fine, I'm here uh, if you need me. And Jorgen, just about the, uh, the African Tourism Board, uh, I think um, there's a lot more, it's a, good, it's a good initiative from you, but there's a lot more that can be achieved with that platform, and I'll be more than happy to contribute. Thank you. I'm, 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 I'm glad, to, glad to hear this, and I think Cuthbert is glad to hear this, uh, Chair of the African Tourism Board in the background. He's smiling, so uh, that, that's good. We, I think the African Tourism Board definitely... May I add here. something? May I add yes. something, Jorgen, please? Please, The yes. Indian market. The Indian market is also very, very good and very famous for special events. Weddings and celebrations are done in a very, very good way, and they come in big numbers. It's a very lucrative market that we're overlooking. Indian weddings are very, very good here in Jordan and many, many parts of the world. And I think African destinations, especially Mafia Island, could become a, a haven for these people yeah. to come and celebrate their weddings there. Thank you. Yeah, and then I've, I've been to an Indian wedding and it looks like uh, there's no, it's, it's just really over the top. Um, I, I had a friend from Los Angeles uh, married, uh, he's Indian and his, um, wife who was from St. Louis and they both did the wedding in, in, in Delhi and I went to Delhi to attend it. It was outrageous and I can tell you here That's in it. Hawaii where we also live on tourism, the Turtle Bay Resort here on the North Shore uh, of Oahu, uh, one of the GM several years ago told when I mentioned Indian weddings, uh, mentioned uh, said to me, well don't tell anyone we love Indian weddings if you can you help us to get some Indian weddings we love to do Indian weddings but we don't want anyone to know that we're doing it because then everyone else wants to do it too so I know That's that right. is definitely a market uh, we have uh, uh, Lina Limomo um, raising hand please let us know where you're calling from go ahead good morning Jorgen how are you fine thank I'm calling you, you from Good. I'm calling you from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and I represent Safari Travels and a new venture called uh, African Virtual Tourism. And I just wanted to concur with Mr. Taleb regarding and Peter regarding the African uh, travel and African tourism. I do believe really that we do overlook that market greatly. And we also overlook the fact that there's a number of African countries becoming the middle class. So there is a bit of disposable income and interest in Africa. However, there's a lot of products missing for the African market and the knowledge of the product to the African traveler. So I do believe that it's to us to be able to develop this because I feel that the first markets with that would be able to travel will be the Africans first. Because as you see, Af the world is opening, but there are restrictions here and there. But as soon as Kenya opens, as Peter said, 
the first people who will jump on board will be Kenyans coming to Malawi, or even, I mean, uh, coming to Zanzibar, or even to Dar es Salaam, or vice versa, Kenyans going to Victoria Falls. So we've got to look at this market and develop the African product. Africans travel differently. Africans will not necessarily go for the wildlife, but we love parties, we love drinking, we like festivals, we like music. So we've got to look at the products as well. What are we offering the African uh, market? So actually we are a step ahead. We're actually hopefully going to host the first consumer African travel affair late of August, targeting ex exclusively the African traveler to travel within Africa. So this is a market we've got to look into. Thanks. Well, Thank you. Wonderful so. feedback. And, uh, I think Peter Peter promised us to write 20 points now about African and regional <laughs> tourism. <laughs> Thank looking you very forward much. to see that, Peter. Okay. Okay. You, we have uh, cut, uh, cut. I'm sorry, Peter, if you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Uh, just quickly, no, definitely, I, I agree entirely with Jayesh. Um, it's something uh, our tourist board is starting to look at. I think we, we spent quite a lot of money on Hong Kong and China. Um, and I think uh, probably concentrated on that market a bit too much. Um, and I think, I think this is really an important discussion. So thanks for that. Uh, Jayesh, I've just left a message there for you, please. Ah, I got it. Okay, thank you for the email. Cheers. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we, let's take uh, Katongo Lungo and then let's go after this to um, my friend here from Hawaii who has been patiently waiting with a short presentation because we are over time, but I think it's well uh, worth that everyone stays, hopefully, uh, because this is really an interesting session, uh, Peter. I've really enjoyed what you're contributing. And uh, let's go to Katongo Lungo. Uh, Katongo, let us know where you're calling from. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Katongo Lungo, calling you from Lusaka, Zambia. I work for ProFlight, Zambia a local airline as a flight operations assistant. Welcome. Yeah, I want to concur with Elena, what she had said, she, what she had just said. I also want to, especially I want to, to talk to Jessica as well as Cuthbert. First on Jessica, on the, just a comment on the domestic travel. It's important that we, we, are, we as well as Tarib, yeah, it's to encourage to encourage domestic travel, we need to tour operators as well as lodges, resorts, hotel cruises should should put a patch a package for for residents such as VFR. That's the visit to friends and relatives. To encourage domestic airlines should do more to do that to so that they can give competitive rates because we are talking of net disposable net income. In that way, they will be able to, to encourage domestic because once domestic is improved, it means even regional. So that comes now to CAFBET, who represents a South Africa tourism board. They should drive to airlines. Airlines are, are not doing much to promote. For instance, I'm going to say about Air Tanzania and the Kenya Airways. You will find that Kenya Airways, they will promote more about Zanzibar than Air Tanzania. So this is an area that they should, airlines, regional airlines, maybe CAFBET can address that as well as Jessica, to write, to write to them. It doesn't save any purpose. You have a local airline, they, they are not doing much, but an international airline, 
their marketing, your products, wow, they even know more about your, your areas. So this is my area of concern that two operators, travel agents as well as CAFBET should address it to see to it that they, they should also promote each, it should be equal, equilibrium should be done for, for, for airlines to promote, as well as offering tour packages, inclusive tour package, not whereby you're just buying, uh, we are purchasing accommodation alone, or a, a ticket, it becomes expensive. But if it's an inclusive tour, lodges given accounts, they are able to book into an airline, it will be worked out, including both cruises. For instance, Mafia Air and Zanzibar, it's one of the best tourism, as well as Mombasa. Those areas can be explored that at the regional level. I thought it should be addressed as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cutbert, uh, you wanted to respond to this very quick before we get to more. You have to unmute yourself, please. Okay, okay there you go. Thank you so much, Katonga. Quite a very valid point. What we're doing, we're trying to see if we could engage all our stakeholders. And Jürgen, I would really appreciate if we could also extend an invitation to most of our guests as we are engaging our ministers round table so that we can have and see a systematic and well-coordinated easing especially when we are focusing and emphasizing on our domestic and intra-regional uh, uh, movement. So that uh, the problem we have, we are seeing a very, I mean, disintegrated approach. Each and every member state decide otherwise when and how to open. So imagine if it could be systematical, well-coordinated so that the focus should be within us in Africa before we extend to our international visitors, which will of course take uh, uh, quite some time to have that segment of a market. We will definitely make a follow-up as African Tourism Board, Mr. Katongo. We thank you so much for your valid point. Yeah, but I, I agree it's a, it's a valid point, but also if I listen to Peter, it seems there is an opportunity for some markets to really already look at overseas markets again, mm. uh, even though um, and, and for these domestic markets. So I think it, it opened up a whole new agenda, not for everyone and not for every destination, every part of the destination, but when it comes to uh, Mafia Island and uh, Zanzibar and Tanzania, maybe there is something and we can of course discuss, mm. can discuss yeah. this in more detail. Good day, my name is Jürgen Steinmetz. I'm with Etobo News here in Honolulu, Hawaii. Today, we will be joined by His Excellency Ambassador Junitz Precious Kalan. He's joining us actually from Freetown in Sierra Leone and has been a frequent contributor to our content from that part of the world. Sierra Leone has been very outspoken, has been very visible when it uh, comes to travel and tourism before Corona broke out. And um, it is logical uh, with everything else happening in any part of the world that we haven't heard from Sierra Leone recently. So I was very pleased to see um, a Precious on my WhatsApp earlier today and I thought we can do an update and he's ready to do this. Welcome to the show and we'll get back to you after this message.